Namaste and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast, where we are exploring the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. To see a world in a grain of sand and heaven in a wild flower, to hold infinity in the palm of one's hand and eternity in an hour. My name is Kilkenny, the host of the Modern Mystic Podcast. Those words by William Blake that were uttered are the most adept words ever uttered, I think, to describe the seventh chakra. Now, for those of y'all who are very earthbound and have great grounded and practical energy, stay with me. As this podcast is all about connecting the mystical and the practical, but we are talking about the seventh chakra, this energy center that is the most etheric, elusive, and in some sense, really out there. So stay with me and we will ground it, people, and you will find practical ways to work with it. But first, we're going to meet this energy center that resides in the crown of your head, where it lives, in the land of liminal spaces, such as esoteric philosophy, etheric planes, and poetic words. To see a world in a grain of sand, in heaven, in a wildflower, to hold infinity in the palm of one's hand, an eternity in an hour. Ah, the only thing wrong with those words that I don't like is that I didn't write them. <laughs> but as a lover of language, an avid reader, writer, and seeker, I'm so grateful for them. For when we're talking about mystical practices, experiences, and states of consciousness, we are still embodied humans. And so we still need practical things like words, which can act as signposts to understand these more elusive, quote unquote, spiritual and even psychological places. And these words do that for they resound with the notion interconnected so closely with the seventh chakra, which is through seemingly small, innocuous, and even mundane materiality, we can experience mystical, magical, and even supernatural moments. And it really is part of why we were put on this earth. Those words hearken to the notion that through things, with seemingly tiny boundaries, such as a wildflower, such as ourselves, we can experience vast things. And that this literal physical world is but a prism through which we can behold the divine, through which we can experience our collective oneness and our own collective humanity. Like when we look into a kaleidoscope, if we align it just right with the light, right? That's the magic of kaleidoscopes, that alignment. 
we can behold all sorts of gorgeous patterns of colors and forms and ever-changing, magnificent visions within the kaleidoscope. But if we point it in other directions, not aligned with the light, those shapes and colors within the kaleidoscope just look like ordinary beads or average substances, whatever's in it, with no magnificent attributes at all. And I love this metaphor because it speaks to our ability to align if we choose to and to the great clarity and also effort it does require. And that is why this chakra is also dubbed the center of self-actualization, self-realization, superconsciousness, supreme knowledge. I love these two words that I mentioned at first, particularly associated with this chakra, realization and actualization, because you have to get real, get it, realization real, (laughs) about what you believe is possible to get into the state of realization, to work towards becoming established in the state of realization, which is part of having a fully blossomed seventh chakra, a healthy seventh chakra in balance. I remember reading the work of a self-enlightened being as a young adult, and it really struck me the notion she wrote of, because until that time, I definitely believed that there have been and are some super special beings in this world who were either born into this world, realized, self-actualized, or who became realized or self-actualized, like Buddha or the great Indian poet saints Mirabai and Janabai. But didn't I really believe that the state of consciousness was available to me? At the time, I realized not really fully, and I started to contemplate this. A lot of you listening might not have ever contemplated this idea or this notion of self-actualization. It might seem impossible or just very nebulous, which is fine and normal. Because in our society, how many people on a daily basis are going around talking about this? right? All of the time we hear comments, at least in the U.S. where I live, about the shape and state of so many people's bodies. And we are continually encouraged to reflect upon this, which I'm not saying is an entirely bad thing. It's a complicated thing. And I'm all about maintaining and supporting healthy bodies. Yet, as importantly, one could argue, even more importantly, what is the state of our minds? What is the state of our hearts? Because many esoteric and many very well-known traditions, we leave the body when we die, but we keep the state of our hearts and the state of our minds. This is the understanding. The more refined these two aspects of ourselves become, while of course befriending our bodies as well, the more elevated our states of consciousness becomes and our bodies can help with this. When we realize as in self-realization, the actual as in self 
actualization, the many portals and pathways that we have access to in order to live the most fulfilled life as possible and serve as fully as possible in all the ways we were put here to do while experiencing the optimal amount of magic along the way. So this chakra is about refining the aspects of mind, refining the state of our heart in order to access these amazing expanded experiences of life, of the sand, of the wildflower, of time even. The seventh chakra, and if you haven't heard yet, my wildly popular chakra overview, that's episode 16, the rainbow bridge inside of you. A lot of people have really written me about that and enjoyed that. That's a, again, an overview of the whole chakra system, as well as the subsequent episodes on the root chakra, the first chakra, through the sixth chakra, the throat chakra. Check those out. Those are episodes 17, 19, 21, 23, and 26. For this chakra system is truly one web and ecosystem, and each part does affect the whole. So if we don't have an established and semi-healthy root chakra, it will trickle up. There'll be a trickle-up effect to even the seventh chakra and vice versa. However, as humans, we do well with breaking things into parts to fully learn and digest them. And so that's what we're doing in this series. And some of us have certain chakras that are more imbalanced or more healthy and thriving. And so learning about them in this way is a beautiful thing. So this seventh chakra is called the Sahasrar chakra in Sanskrit, the Indian language from which this system emanates. And it's associated with psychological awakening and spiritual evolution. Sahasrar literally means a thousand petal lotus. And it refers to really the infinite possibilities of what is possible in your awakening, like infinite petals, so to speak. It's often depicted in various traditions in the East in art forms. When you see a picture of Buddha or Jesus having that halo around their heads, that is the emanation of this thousand-petaled lotus, or you can think about it as a thousand-rayed sun emanating from the head, creating this auric feel that's visible. And you can see that in many great pieces of art. Also depicted in poetry and song, so much beautiful mystic poetry like Rumi and great Indian poets talking about waking up waking up. And often it's recounted as a sort of miraculous event. One would think like, oh, you wake up in the morning. For example, Buddha sits under the banyan tree and bam, he's enlightened. Unless you remember the tale of the book Siddhartha, which depicts Buddha's life and actually goes through the many details and the myriad of trials and tribulations 
on his path that lead up to the moment that he sat under the banyan tree and then even talks about his state and his life post enlightenment a little bit on the river and what that's like for him working on the river in the enlightened state. So working with and moving towards a state of enlightenment is like taking off the tenacious jar lid that seems impossible to take off. And it hearkens to that notion I mentioned earlier. Do you think it's possible, right? We stay at it, opening the lid, because we know it's possible that it will open someday. So part of it is reframing and stepping into that mindset. And then one moment after much arduous work, often, the lid will just pop off and it opens because of all the times you twisted it, pounded it, maybe the edge on the, on the floor, I'll do that. Or maybe you ran it under hot water to loosen it. Different practices, you might say, that you use, techniques, tools. And you might have even been working on it for a while And then you're tired and then you hand it to someone else and then they just pop it off. But you know that it just popped off, not because of them, but because of all your hard won efforts that it finally came off. And in the myriad of traditions that hold the notion that we aren't just here on planet Earth for one lifetime, the belief that we had incarnated in many lifetimes, yet there really is one goal of all these lifetimes, so to speak, which is to put succinctly in those little words I mentioned earlier. The goal of life, it said, is this state of self-realization, self-actualization. That really means we are in the most optimal alignment at all times when we realize that state. And then we can serve from the highest place in every moment in that state. That's the benefit of that state. But what does that really mean for my and your moment to moment here on earth in our life? And is it one moment of awakening or a never ending process or both? Well, I'm here to tell you as a not yet fully realized human being who has gotten to hang out with a few realized beings in this state, which is pretty incredible. And I've also studied about and contemplated this chakra for well over three decades now, my whole life, basically. And that entry point into this chakra, again, really, really feel is to start to open up to believing that the state of mind and heart is possible. And it is possible for you. So that's the first place to begin to start to open to that notion and possibility that self-realization is possible for you. And that automatically starts blossoming this chakra. There is an ancient esoteric yogic text called the Spanda Karenikas that deals and details with how the whole world is made up of pulsating, spiraling energy. Now, Western scientists have finally caught up with this notion. And within each human and the universe itself, and how our lives are 
really like a set of spiral staircases. Our consciousness mirrors this. It's a spiral staircase. It mirrors this subtle energy of spirals pulsating deep within ourselves and deep within our energetic bodies. And that us, like the universe itself, and if you're not a science person, maybe you don't already know this, and that's okay because you do now, you and your spirals are in a constant state of expansion, like the universe. Do you know that? That the universe right now is expanding at this very moment. Isn't that amazing? All the time, the universe is getting bigger and bigger. And so you have this potentiality too for as outside on the inside. And when we are expanding ourselves and making the actual choice towards ascension of this staircase, so to speak, in our consciousness, we experience greater views. In Buddhism, they call this view upeksha, which means eagle vision. And we can see life and its lessons more for what they are. And we get more and more glimpses of the world in a grain of sand. We get more views of heaven in a wildflower. In our moment-to-moment life, in the now, these seemingly mundane things start to open up to us when we are escalating and ascending with practices and understandings, our own awareness. And when we are aligning with our lives in the most skillful way. And as the poet Rumi says, wherever you are is the entry point. Isn't that such a relief? So wherever you are right now in your life, in your evolution of your own consciousness, in your journey, it's, I like to call it now a clock. It's the perfect time to step in to knowing that this life and view of magic, of the sacredness of each moment, of all that you're doing, of all your interactions have this potentiality to open up for you and really become profound experiences and these seemingly mundane moments have windows into expansive experiences. The other exhale about the spiraling understanding of our energy, aka called spanda in the Sanskrit tradition, in this text, the Spanda Karenikas, is that you know how often in life we catch ourselves in a similar situation similar themes, dealing with similar reactions that we have. We have these patterns, this conditioning. We might even think we're dating different people. And yet, all of a sudden, similar circumstances or feelings that are elicited from that relationship come up. And we're like, oh my goodness, I'm dating that person again. (laughs) But in all seriousness, think about that. Are there certain issues or themes in your life that recur? Most of us, the answer is yes. And so from this perspective, the question is like with the spiral staircase. You 
will end up at the same spot, right? If you go up a spiral staircase, you end up circling again and again, really the same path in some sense on one plane. However, is your perspective elevated when those reactions come up that you often gravitate towards, whether it's reactivity, anger, whether it's checking out, detachment to an unhealthy level? Are you able to see the perspective that this is coming up for you again? And is your understanding of your reaction, the situation, refining? Are you getting wiser about how you're handling it, the feelings on the inside and the feelings on the out? Do you have a slightly new view from the same spot? This is how we develop a healthy seventh chakra. It truly isn't for most of us, bam, one day it opens. However, it's a working step by step with patience to pull that tight lid off the jar. It's the slow walk up the spiral staircase. And if you've ever been on a spiral staircase, you might recollect most of us won't be inclined to run up it. It's precarious a little bit for some of us a lot. And it takes methodical and thoughtful climbing until one day you catch that glimpse of heaven in the wildflower. Maybe you're fighting with someone and then all of a sudden you pause and you have a wash, a wave of love come over you or humor even the glimpse because on that staircase, you hit the right angle to see it. The view opens up. And this is when you're developing a healthier, more balanced seventh chakra. So now, like with my other episodes, I want to elucidate practical and applicable aspects of this chakra that you can apply to everyday life to help balance it, to help ground it in your mind and make it really useful. So as I mentioned, the seventh chakra, known as the Sahasrara chakra, is in the crown of the head. And often the metaphor is like a crown for a king or a queen, this energetic crown, so to speak, or flower. Related to super consciousness, realization, actualization, and mindfulness, it's about opening to the mystery, being curious about the mystery. It's about surrendering and really letting go into the flow of life so that the universe can pour into us. So right now, if you're in a position where it's safe to do so, and if not, you can just kind of sense or visualize yourself doing this, you could stick your thumbs in your ears and then bring the middle fingers, wrap them on top to feel into the center of your head the middle fingers most likely will be touching the sage spot, it's called. Or when the babies are born, the fontanelles. You know, when babies are born, they have that little soft spot where their skull hasn't quite solidified. And you can just gently push down on this spot. The seventh chakra is about the right to know. The basic right to know the truth. Connected not only to the divine, but to humanity, because 
many mystical paths hold this truth, which I think, which is that the divine lives in each person. Humanity lives within each person. You could even think of those terms as synonymous. So the universe has buried itself in your heart. And our job as human beings, partly, is to discover this truth, this treasure lead within ourselves, And when we connect to this unlimited source of power within and take that time, that's why meditation is so powerful and potent. It allows us to do this. That's why nature is so amazing and magical, because it allows us to do this. We experience this quality of super consciousness, of mindfulness. The psychological theme of this chakra is cognition, understanding, and alignment of body, heart, and mind, threading them together on the loom of practices and in moment-to-moment life. The element associated with this chakra is the element of thought, and the colors are golden white. Sometimes you'll hear violet, but in the traditions that I study, the, the purple is really associated with that third eye. So I practice golden and white light. In childhood development from a psychological perspective, it really is associated with early adulthood before the brain is fully formed, which we know right now, scientists claim it's around 24, 25, but this is associated right before that, the last stage of our childhood development as that is finally crystallizing and we're almost on the brink of adulthood. So it's a lot about pursuits of knowledge and really the solidification and formation of our world views. A lot of times at that age, there's a yearning to travel and to awaken adventures on the inside and out. As we start to think about some of us spiritual pursuits and wherever the human is really it starts to awaken this chakra and ultimately leads us to ask questions about life nature the universe and the self within as adults we go through chakra development of each chakra again so there's the childhood formation And then at some point, if we are going up the spiral staircase, so to speak, the development of the seven chakras as adults get revisited again. And so this would be a time when one as an adult starts to really crave spiritual understanding again, knowledge, teaching, studying, to really collect and source wisdom. It's also a time where we might have mastered information and gathered it through our life and refined it. And now we're ready to share it with others, to benefit others. And so there might be a craving in some people to leave the mundane world and go on a spiritual pursuit. Or again, it might be a time of really developing some kind of mastery, realizing this mastery and then contemplating ways one can share it with others. Really, the truth is we gain answers to our huge life questions 
through our own experiences and practices. So a craving to do more practices, a real yearning to refine oneself and learn new ways or take a lot of time with the practices we know work for us would burden within us when we are developing this chakra or this chakra is awakening and saying, Hey, I'm ready to go to that next level of ascension on the staircase. Come with me. The chakra challenge for this chakra is attachment and doership. So the need to be in control all of the time and being attached to having control, not letting go of things, of people when it's time and they've run their natural course. In the yoga tradition, there's something called the karma mala and it's the dust on the heart that we're born with and some of us have more of one kind of dust than the other. And it speaks to this idea of controlling, wanting to control how others act, wanting to have control over our environment and circumstances to a hyper level. Stressors or trauma that affect this chakra would be when information was withheld from us, even during childhood. And then when this chakra begins to develop, it starts to affect it in our early adulthood. Any kind of forced, fervent religiosity, if we get invalidation of our beliefs as a kid, if we have mystical or spiritual experiences, and they're not honored by those who love us and give us that feedback. And then, of course, religious or spiritual blind obedience. So when we don't feel like we have the right to question or even the room to think for oneself in the way of spiritual or religious groups, in the way of receiving misinformation regarding spirituality or religion. Lies and spiritual abuse are another product of a stressor or trauma that would cause an imbalance in this chakra and something to heal. So if we have an excess of energy in this chakra as a byproduct of some stressors or traumas, it might be that we develop tendencies such as spiritual addiction, which is really this tendency to voraciously become involved with spiritual groups, spiritual reading. It might sound like, oh, what's wrong with that? But to the point where you can't function. Like I have a friend who had a friend in California and he was incredibly connected to his spirituality and you know, wisdom, but he couldn't keep a job and he wouldn't leave his house and couldn't really function in this world in any kind of way that made him feel fulfilled. And so there was a disconnect between that. And that would be spiritual addiction. Over-intellectualization, like being so in one's head, but not able to be in other places within one's psyche, in one's heart, within one's energy even. Confusion or disassociation from one's body is also considered an excess of this chakra, an excess of energy. When we have excesses of energy, then what can be healing is reestablishing our connection to our bodies and to this physical world. Reestablishing even our emotional connections, because if we're 
in a place where we're spiritually addicted or over intellectualizing things, we're not really connected to our emotions either. And you might remember if you've heard the series that those are the lower chakras, the first and second chakras to become established in those. And you can listen to those episodes to hear more details about that. But being mindful and really just being present in doing your activities in day-to-day life, establishing rhythms and schedules and patterns in each moment, checking in and paying attention if you're really in the moment. Focusing on your natural breath can help. Breathing in, wonderful teacher Tichnat Han says, I know I'm breathing in, breathing out. I smile, I think he says. <laughs> Animals are also really great grounders of energy and healers of energy and can really support this chakra getting involved with something that's very concrete on this physical plane, maybe like renovating a house or helping raise money, taking a walk, raising money maybe for like a community project, things like that. If we've got a deficiency in this chakra, then often spiritual cynicism develops. Learning difficulties can come up and very rigid belief systems So not being open to others and their spirituality or beliefs. Apathy and even excesses in the lower chakras, such as materialism, greed, domination of others can develop. And so the way to heal a deficiency in this chakra would be about reestablishing connection to spirit and becoming more disciplined and methodical with one's spiritual and mindfulness practices. Meditating daily can help. Do less and be more. Practice being with your beingness. Gratitude is such an important practice. And we hear about that a lot right now, but it really is such a game changer. Before bed at night, write 10 things down, keep a little notebook that you're grateful for that happened in the day. Creating an altar or a consistent place in your home for practices can really, really help as well that steadfastness and sameness can really support that building of your practices and spending time in stillness and with silence. Super important. The scents associated with this chakra are violet, frankincense, and myrrh. So you can work with those smells, energies, and plant medicine. The precious stones are diamonds clear quartz and amethysts. So if you're working with healing a deficiency or an excess or just interested in opening and blossoming this chakra, you can work with those things in the form of essential oils, in the form of the rocks and invite them into your life. This chakra is associated with the planet Jupiter and Thursday, the day Thursday. So you could make note of that and think about maybe doing some extra practices on a Thursday or doing things that expand your consciousness. Jupiter is the planet of expansion and all the other planets could fit in it. And so thinking about scheduling, planning activities and interactions with people who help support you feeling expanded. In the yoga tradition, the 
archetype and God Shiva, the inner teacher is associated with chakra. And when working with this chakra, if you notice, or just even contemplate ever having feelings such as the following, this could be a sign that this chakra needs some support and might be out of balance. I feel lost. I would like more guidance on getting more fully on my spiritual or life's path. I have a hard time feeling like I receive inspiration. I feel like I'm on my own and that my prayers and meditations aren't really connected to a higher power. I feel like I need support and don't get it. Affirmations you can repeat and you can practice right now and just say them silently after me if you feel moved. I am guided by my inner wisdom. Divinity and humanity reside within me. The world is my teacher and life is my curriculum. Information I need comes to me. This energy center is associated, as I said, with the element of thought and qualities of connecting to spirit, universal consciousness, enlightenment, wisdom, oneness, unity, and self-knowledge. Our willingness to let go and walk up the spiral staircase of misunderstandings about who you are and why are you here, about conflict that you've been through with others that is now way in the past, helps heal this chakra. Openness. This chakra is a lot about reconciliation and unity. The spiritual energy that's said to live within our body and reside in the lower chakras called the Kundalini Shakti is said to awaken when we really move towards this ascension of staircase and flow up through all seven chakras until it reaches the crown of the head. And in the crown of the head is this union between this Kundalini Shakti energy and all of our other energies known as Shiva, the wise energy. I mentioned the archetype here. And these two energies are considered the Heroskamos, the blending of the divine masculine and the divine feminine within ourselves, And there's a union that takes place. And when all of our energies mix and commingle here, there's no more Shakti and Shiva, but they mix and mingle into one energy. Some traditions have called this, when this happens, Nirvana. Others, Samadhi. Shunya in the Buddhist tradition, Kalvaya, self-realization, enlightenment, communion, heaven, and so on. The unifying of 
duality. And in the mystical traditions, it's so important to recognize on one level of reality, there is distinction. There is individuality. There is me and you and they and them. To a point that understanding is healthy and supportive psychologically. And yet this chakra is about when we can let those boundaries and barriers go in a safe way. When we can let go of good and bad and just be present to who we are in this moment and what the moment is asking us. The goal of this chakra is to be in love with every now moment and even choose to have fun, a joyful time doing this because this chakra is about freedom. It's about feeling free. It's about Svatantriya, Ananda in the yoga traditions, which means complete freedom. And in that freedom, there's joy and bliss. There's an abandonment of limitation and the full view from the spiral staircase of what's happening in the now, in the now o'clock. So I invite you now to take a moment and connect to this chakra within yourself. If it's safe to do so, you can listen to my words. Don't close the eyes if you're driving or doing something that you need, the vision. And if you're able to, you can close the eyes and take a nourishing posture. And now begin to rest your awareness in the rhythm of your own breath. Feel the inhalation and notice the exhalation. And then with your awareness, by welcoming it, see if you can sense it relaxing, deepening. And then begin to bring your attention to your Sahasrara chakra, to your crown energetic center and feel into the top of the head and take another present breath or two here, simply sensing and feeling this area. Notice if there's any temperature or sensation in this area and then consciously begin to feel it soften, relaxing this area. As you continue to breathe with one pointed focus into it. And now you can picture or sense even the center of the earth. Some of us visualize not so well, and that's coming, I promise. But you can sense or consciously choose the idea of the metallic center of the earth that we know as hard iron rock. And take a breath. If you see it in your mind's eye easily, you see it. Feel and sense it's way far away beneath you. Mm, take another breath. And then sense from the center of the earth, you are beckoning a light, a beam, a white golden-esque light and color emanating from this metallic core beneath you. And now with your intention and your will, 
pull this light beam energetically that's swirling and shining and dancing in its twirls upward and start to notice it spiraling, this golden white-esque light. In a beam, it moves upward through the earth from the metallic core and feel it starting to move towards you, almost like the wake of a rocket ship. That golden white-esque spiraling light now moving through, penetrating miles and miles of bedrock, stone, this light rapidly moving now into the earthen soil beneath you. And now with each breath, feel it gently starting to shine and emanate towards you. And the spiraling, golden, soothing light. Notice as it comes towards you, it's a little bit warm. Not too warm, just warm enough. And sense it then beginning to penetrate the ground right beneath you and feel your feet touching the earth wherever you are. And this golden spiraling light now bifurcates into two spirals going up into each individual foot and feel your legs like roots of a tree drinking in, welcoming up this golden white-esque spiraling light. And maybe you feel the spirals of light coil around your legs. Maybe you feel their warmth now spiraling around the upper legs and then joining in your hips. Feel it unify and feel this light begin to traverse up your spine from the base of your pelvis through the center of you and continue to keep breathing fully as you notice the swirling light in your being sense its healing properties feel it filling up your whole body now through the back of the navel through the back of the upper belly, through the center of your heart. Maybe you notice it's light lifting your physicality, buoying you with its rays and emanation. As it moves through the center of the heart and up through the throat, again, sense though it's one unified light, it's still spiraling. Maybe you can sense it moving around like a barber pole even, the esophagus, and then that spiraling shape up into your third eye space behind the eyebrow. And then feel it reaching up and out through your crown. Maybe you can sense a thousand petaled flower, opening golden flower. Or maybe it's more like a sun with a thousand rays that are being illuminated from this light. 
And feel in the crown of the head this light shining in all directions or these scintillating petals reaching out in all directions. Feel this golden healing warm light filling up the entirety of your body with health. Take a breath. With abundance, take another breath. With deep wisdom, so is embedded in these codes within this light. As you take another breath, sense that you are so much more than you even realize. And this light shining within you, warming you, is igniting this remembrance. And then sensing the crown of the head still soft. Take two very present breaths. In through the nose and feel the crown of the head rise. And then as you exhale, breathe and feel the exhalation go downward out your feet into the center of the earth through the bedrock to the metallic core. And then again, inhale. From the metallic core, the spiraling light, one last time, up through the bedrock, up through the grass, up through your feet, up through the heart, into the crown of your head. Feel the head soft and bright, and then exhale and let your breath and body relax and release downward towards the earth, sensing this cord of light down through the bedrock and feel it connected to the metallic core of the earth. And then you can gently bring your cognizance to your feet once again. Feel your feet connected to the earth. And now maybe you sense this light still present in your body. Maybe you energetically or just sense the light releasing from your feet to the center of the earth, back into the earth. And take a breath, still feeling that golden white-esque light infused in your whole body. And as you feel your feet upon the earth, take another breath, and when you're ready, you can slowly open the eyes. You are so much greater. Your capacities, your ability for connection, even the unfolding of your talents and what's possible for the state of your mind and the state of your heart. For in the end, the body certainly supports the journey of the soul. The mind is a technology for your soul as well. What we leave with However, this world is the state of our hearts. What remains is the state of our hearts. For in the end, the state of our hearts is the outer expression of our spirit. And so as you live this day-to-day life that often seems full of mundane moments, 
remember you are on a spiraling journey and the moments seemingly small, the actions seemingly minutia are profound steps on the spiraling journey where life is our curriculum. And step by step, when we consciously, mindfully walk up and ascend from our intention and from our belief that greater views are possible, that belief and that sweet effort of aligning with the light, aligning with the views through our awareness and will does yield glimpses of magic in the mundane. As we move forward with our efforts that take great focus at the same time, the path of the seventh chakra is practicing to opening and surrendering This is a practice called Ishvara Pranidhana. Not surrendering with the white flag as sometimes in the Western world connotates a defeat, but rather putting forth great effort, our best alignment, and then really letting go of the fruits of our outcome. So often what we are trying so hard to hold in place in the way of our dreams and what we want to manifest into form is and can be a resistance and a pushing away of all the lessons and the magic that are waiting for us if we move towards embracing more the way life is in the now and appreciating now o'clock. So, There will be moments where all seems completely in chaos and things feel totally disharmonized. And the practice is also remembering that the universe often in these moments the most is really reordering life for much more what we are calling in for, for our soul has deep longings and deep remembrance of why you are here, each one of us, why we're here, what we're meant to do, what lessons we're learned to learn, and what we're called to bring into action in order to serve this world. So working with great intention, making the steps on the staircase towards ascension And then also taking peace in the unfolding of life and its wisdom. For when we take in what's truly in front of us, what's really happening around us, then we begin to see a world in a grain of sand and heaven in a wildflower. Then we begin to sense what it means to hold infinity in the palm of one's hand and eternity in an hour. May you remember realization, actualization 
is possible. Your most aligned life is possible. May you stay inspired and look for all those windows on your journey, both big and small, where you can take in these Upeksha eagle vision moments and expand them. The longer and more we practice expanding these moments of these big picture remembrance visions, the closer we get to our goal on the path and we enjoy the journey along the way. Thank you for taking the time to listen to these words. It means so much. Namaste. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please write me a review on whichever platform you are listening. Also, check out my exciting Patreon page at patreon.com slash modernmysticlove, where I offer all sorts of uplifting yoga classes, meditation classes, and other amazing offerings from my guests on this podcast to all my incredible supporters. Even folks who donate at the $5 a month level are so appreciated as every cent helps this busy mama of three. Or check out my website, modernmystic.love, where you can purchase yoga videos of all levels with me, ranging from gentle yoga up through advanced asana and also meditation videos there. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives, one breath at a time. Namaste.